my agency in London had been price fixing for all of the agencies in London, being caught, and like, I thought it was worth it. My agency said they got robbed and then moved buildings. What had happened was the armed police came in, took all the computers, my agency got done, oh, the owners shit. went on the run, they sold up the company, someone bought it with all this debt, liquidated it, and I just lost all my money. And from that point, I had nothing. Oh baby, baby, how was I supposed to know? Welcome back to Has It Come To This Podcast with me, comedian David Alfie Ward. And as always, uh, virtually to my uh, left, my friend, uh, he's big. He can fit a fitted wardrobe, but he can't fit in a Nissan Micra. It is big man like Ken. Hey, <laughs> what are you saying, brother? I'm all good, mate. All good. Enjoying this snow. Yeah, we've got a bit of snow in Norfolk, so uh, I ain't gone out in it. Kent has, yeah, um, because he's mad. Um, I've got children, so I have I to go out, out in the snow. Like, when, when you're a kid, snow is like fun, isn't it? Yeah. But when you're not, um, when you're an adult, you're like, fuck that, I'm going to break a hip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know what? A special, special episode today, because we've got our first ever guest on the podcast. Uh, you'll know his voice, because it's Mr. Pieces himself, of Reese's Pieces. And he's a good friend of mine, and he's Reese Sanders. Welcome to the podcast, Reese. Hello, hello. Thank you very much for having me. You know uh, Reese's voice. So I posted a, a, a video, no, not video, sorry, a um, picture of Reese in uh, full gimp get up from his <laughs> modeling days. And, and a few people got back to me and they was like, Is that, that's the guy from Reese's Pieces? I said, Yeah. Is that his real voice or does he put it on? And I said, No, that's his real voice. They said, how does he have such a deep voice for something so screwy? So, I don't know, Reese, can you answer that your first question? A massive bollocks. That's about it, really, I imagine. <laughs> Real low hangers. Are they? <laughs> they are, they are. Honestly, I'm not even going to lie. Big old bollocks, are they? Go on. Yeah, Tell us about I'm, your big bollocks. Go on. That'll be your first intro, are they? It's not, it's not, it, there's not much to say. I'm just saying, for someone who's, you know, like 29, my bollocks resemble those of a man in his 80s. They're just real saggy. <laughs> oh, it's not even that they're big, they're just saggy. Sag. Yeah, real saggy. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Is, it, is it like a marble in a carrier bag? I put it this way, if I wasn't... I'm not going to be out here like, oh, I've got a massive willy, but if it was any shorter, my balls would hang around with that. Do you know what I mean? That's the kind of <laughs> sag that we've got going on here. <laughs> I've got, everyone knows that this is a podcast, I've got one big nut and it hangs so low, I, I don't think my dick's ever seen those hikes, it, it hangs down there, so, um, I, I've got a, I've got a story, go I've got a, I've got a friend, well, he was a friend, not anymore, um, he had one massive bollock, like, it's like the size of a tennis ball, and then the other one was a normal size, so we went to the, so we, yeah, so we went to the this hospital. This is me, Reese. I'm here, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting, I'm right here. Right, okay, okay. to get it drained but the plus side of this operation they give you like a bra to put your balls in post-operation so you get this like special little hammock <laughs> uh, and it's worth it do you know what the thing is 
see, the thing is, I you know, I, I don't come very easily. Like, it takes me ages to come. I've, I've come from a blowjob like twice in my life. I'm very hard. Sometimes I'm having sex and I just give up. And I think it's because of whatever's going on with that big bollock. So if I go get it fixed, I'm going to be like, you know, pathetic little man. I'd be like, you know, everyone be like, you said on your podcast that you don't come. And now you've, you, you come because, you know, I t- you took my knickers off. You saw a runway. You made it, fi- it made you think of planes and, and <laughs> you shot your load. <laughs> well, I only ever last about 30 seconds to two minutes. So we're making it up. We make it up for each other. You know what I mean? I'm assuming that Kent's just a happy medium. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely a happy medium. Mate. Yeah, Kent, how long do you last? 10, 15 minutes, I'll say, on average. Oh, if I'm, if I'm in a, if I'm in a, in a like, if we're in the in the in the zone, then probably longer. But but sometimes, hey, listen, sometimes it's two pumps and gone, mate. Who knows? You know, it just depends anyone, on the mood. Listen, am I allowed to talk about? Am I allowed to talk about drugs? Yeah, you can talk about whatever you want on this podcast. Have you ever had sex on cocaine? No. No, oh I've heard. God. I heard. Um, <laughs> That's some champion shit. You can go for like six hours. With what? Like, yeah, my my yeah. mate said, my mate said he was doggy and a girl on cocaine, and what he didn't realize he woke up and he had like he he'd worn the skin away on his knees because they were on the on the floor <laughs> on the carpet, and he was like so off his face and like going for so long oh. that he woke up and he was like, why are my knees in so much pain? Oh. <laughs> but imagine what the girl felt like. She probably was rag raw as well, mate. Yeah, no, I think anything longer than anything longer than 15, 15, 20 minutes is just a fucking workout, mate. Let's be honest. Showing off then. Oh yeah, I know. I give up. It's a fucking. I, I ain't got. I ain't got the stamina for that. Yeah. I just roll over and just you know, just you know, she's had her fun and then I just get blue balls for the next. Who month. who was the comedian? Who was the comedian? I think it was Bernie Mac again. Who 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 said like. When the girl turned around and said to him, man, you come too quick. And she said, bitch, you come too slow. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> you know, keep it simple, mate. I always say with girls, like because of the male orgasms, you know, we get one we get one hit and it's a big thing and it's over. But, but women can have multiple yeah, orgasms. Yeah. So I remember saying to my wife, like, I've, always, I've always tried quietly, like I had my own little like, you want to do a ratio of three to one. Right, you want her to come at three times for every time you come once, right. and that should even it up a bit, right? And then I said that to my friends, like my my, my friends that are my my original G's from back home, and and then they were like, "Shut up, Dave, you fucking mug!" And then for the rest of the night at the pub, they were calling me Todd, which stood for triple orgasm date. <laughs> so just don't tell your friends stuff. I, I don't, but I think if you. Listen, I always say I always say to all the guys that come to the gym and they're like, "Oh, I need to get abs," and I always say to them, "Listen, bro, abs might get you the girl, but good hip dexterity and big ass quads will keep the girl." Do you know what I mean? And I have neither of those. You things. don't have either of those things, but it's facts. Yeah, it's facts. It's facts. And girls, it's one thing that girls don't really talk like this. Girls love booty on a man. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. A little bubble butt on a man. Hundred percent. Never talk about it. Yeah, I've got a boot like kneecaps. It's inverted, minus two out of ten. I don't have one of those either. <laughs> <laughs> That's got a tiny little inverted bum as well. Because the girl knows if you've got oh, if you've got man. a decent booty, mate, that means you've got a nice thrust, thrust action. Yeah, exactly. The impact, the ball slapping the clip. This, Boom. this, this is podcast. We're less than ten minutes in, and it's not done anything for my self esteem. <laughs> so, uh, you know. So I think, <laughs> <laughs> this is why I can't keep a woman. <laughs> if you feel any better, I'm as bad in bed as I look. 
Well, well, moving on to how you look, um, Miss Mr. Sanders. Yeah. Because you know they, we've got some questions for you, but let's let's just talk about your background a little bit. So you're from Nottingham originally, correct? And uh, let's talk about how we met. We met about four years ago, longer than that, four or five years five ago. Five years ago, you were about it's 2015, on, 20, yeah. You were about to go on tour in Australia. Uh, Bet you ended up in Singapore, but that's another story. <laughs> Haven't we all? And um, I came onto a radio station that you were working in. He was like, a, was you a co-host? I was, you covering, I was covering for someone that day. It was meant to be Michael Payne that was interviewing you, but he wasn't in, and I had another show with him on radio. So I just covered for him that day, because I wanted the money. And uh, you happened to be in. Yeah, and you, I, yeah, yeah, it was great. And then we how, kind of like just... Second, how do you go from radio to modelling? How do you... I, I'm interested. How do you go from radio to... No, 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 it was modelling to radio. Modelling to radio. Yeah, yeah, I went from face to So he done modelling, I think, because then they say if you know you got a, you got a voice for radio because your face is so ugly. So if but you went from modelling to radio, how does that work? I mean, do you, I I don't have a face for modelling and I don't have a voice for radio. <laughs> <laughs> this this uh, this episode is just like how to fraud your way through life. Yeah. Um, no, but that's how we met. Yeah, life hacks. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we met. We kind of stayed in touch over socials, and then like Reese moved to Walthamstow, where I'm from. Um, and the kind of, and then we both knew Tony, who is a, a battle rapper, and we kind of just became more close in the last couple of years. Um, but it's it's your backstory of really being a model because I didn't realise how. Like you, I remember you saying when we met, oh yeah, you're the model, and I thought, right, was you like on the cover of like something in a next magazine or some shit? But you were like legit, kind of top, like. Paris Fashion Week <clears throat> level model. I right? was the twenty seventh biggest model in the world at one point. What? Yep. <clears throat> so, and <clears throat> what does a full time model? What does it uh, entail? Is it a case of like you just get a phone call when someone needs you, or is it like you're like regular going to different shoots? Yeah, right. So it, it, it depends on kind of what model you are. Now, I never really modelled much in England so I couldn't be in the country though I don't work so for me it would be like right going to Paris for two months and then I'd go there cast every single day for two weeks if I then booked oh. jobs I'd stay there for the jobs and then I'd fly to another country same thing then to another country same thing so I did that for like years so did you have a I'm assuming you had a manager or an agent then so I still do I have 17 I have 17 agencies and they're all wow. in different countries and different cities. Wow, so you're just on their books, so they're like, hey, we've got this gig, come over. I'm, do... I'm not on the books anymore, I'm on the shelf now, mate. All right. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, let's, let's start with a question. The, the listeners did send in some questions. Also, there's some stuff that you've texted me before that I just need to ask you about, because it's like insane. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll start with Tina says, is modeling into that level, I suppose like a, a, a runway at kind of a fashion week level, a toxic environment, and is there rivalry between sexes? Um, there's no rivalry between sexes at all. The women get paid ten times more than the men do, but men understand in this industry that it's this one, like, do you know what I mean? Let them fucking have it, like, but it's such a fucking sexist world. Men have been earning more than women forever. Did you complain you're a dick in it? Do you know what I mean? Especially when, for example, if I'm getting paid ten grand for a shoot, 
I can't complain I'm getting 10 grand to fucking stand still for a day. You know what I mean? I'm not going to complain being like, she's got a vagina so she gets more. You know what I mean? It's just a bit, a bit keddery. Um, as it, as like, like Paul, really. What's that? I said, is it like 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 porn like that? The women get more than men, but you just don't really complain about that, right? So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but women are better looking than men. Like, let's be honest, I would want to pay more to look at a woman. Even women prefer to look at women than men. It's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. And no, what was he saying about the toxic environment? Is it like that? Or, you know. As for toxic environment, I think it's like, yeah and no. Like, there's going to be some clients that are fantastic, but then there's some clients and some models that are just... I mean, I've, I've had a few run-ins with, uh, like, with agents, with photographers, with everyone, especially when it's, like, you're fat. Do you know what I mean? No one wants to do that. <laughs> so, what was your, so what was your worst... Have you ever, like, sparked or had a fight with anyone in, like, in backstage or, like, at a shoot or anything like that? Yeah, plenty. Let me let me tell you. Uh, one time in Paris, um, I was on I was on the beach, and it's one of them. It's like the middle of winter. In winter, you shoot summer clothes. So I'm out on the beach in a pair of fucking speedos and a vest, and um, it's like six a.m. in the morning, like zero degrees, but the sun is blinding, so I can't see, and I'm freezing. So I'm saying to the photographer, the photographer's going, "Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open." I'm saying, "I can't. It's far too sunny." He's shouting at me, and then um, I'm, I made some snide comment, being like, because he was like, "Move your head, move your head," and I went, "Yeah, because it's like no knowledge that if you move your head, the sun disappears." Do you know what I mean? It's not like <laughs> anyway. The photographers grabbed me, like, come up to me and grab me, so I just choked him out on the beach. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> but was it just you and him there, or is there other people there as well? Like, oh, there's like a full team of like fifty people. <laughs> 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 and you had this guy was you putting him asleep like just yeah, no, I, had sleep, pulled, like, I had to get pulled <laughs> off him I just I, first of all I just put both my hands around his neck and I was like this is a bit too violent so I switched it up again <laughs> I just with a and then everyone just grabbed me off him but I was like yo he put his hands on me and I just didn't want to punch him you know what I mean because being choked out is better than being knocked out I don't know it depends like it depends on who you ask that True. So and then so, I've, I've had another time as well, sorry, where this one, this one's mad because this feeds into the toxic environment shit. So I used to have a best friend, yeah. When I first started modelling, he was 16, I was 18. And he was like my best mate in the industry. And um, he lived in Paris. He was from England, but he lived in Paris. But he was from a village in England called Thaxted, right? And that's one of them places where like your nearest next door neighbour is a like you have to drive to your next door neighbour's house. You know what I mean? You can't borrow a cup of sugar in the night because you're doing a three mile round trip. So um, yeah. in so in his head, yeah, he's never met anyone from a big city. So he comes out and he's like, Well, I'm six foot four, so therefore I'm bigger than people and I must be hard. And he had this like weird attitude where he just thought because he was the toughest person in his village of three people, you know what I mean? So anyway, we were he lived in Paris and we were doing a show at five in the morning for John Galliano, I want to say. <clears throat> um, anyway, we both stayed at his house so we could split a taxi in the morning. If you're late, they will deduct your pay. We get, I, I, get, I wake up in the morning and he's locked his bedroom door and I can't wake him up. Phone's off, I bang on his bedroom door oh, and shit. he's not waking up. So I've left. I've just been like, fuck it, I've got to go. I've jumped in a taxi and got there 
And then he's woke up a few hours later and rang me and been like, you did that on purpose. Because he was ranked 20, the 20th biggest model in the world. And I was 27, yeah? So in his head, he was like, you're trying to one-up me. I was like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, bro, honestly, he couldn't care. And he turned up to the shoot and started shouting at me in front of everyone. And I was like, bro, I'm not your mum. You know what I mean? I don't have to wake you up anyway, but I've tried. But I'm not your mum at the end of the day. He was like, yeah, because if you were, my mum would have fucking, whatever he said. And I was like, I'll treat you like your mum then. And I slapped him. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> and then here's the kicker. Then he went to sit down. But before he turned away, he went to punch me. So I went to punch him back as he went to sit down. So it, it looked quite late on my VR. And then I ended up, the, the guy who runs the ranking for models, um, he was there. <laughs> and um, again, then he dropped me out of the models.com ranking. So I was no longer ranked in the top models what? anymore. Yeah. And was that, the end, was that the end of your your career or is that just... That was the end of that particular genre of my career. That took me out of the high fashion industry and put me into the commercial industry, which right. oh, which did kind of not last as long, but I made a lot more money doing that. So. Right. I didn't realise modelling was so complicated. Like, yeah. you know, when you look at it, it's like, all right, you look the part, put that clothes on, stand there, take a picture, see you later, you know. But I didn't realise no. there was like rankings and... Um, but so what, 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 what classifies the rankings? Like, cause obviously in terms of rankings in fighting, you knock out everybody, you, you go up in the rankings in simple terms. So in modeling, is it, what are the factors that will enable you to get to a top 20, you know, top 10 ranking? So for, for me, like how I broke in was, um, I did, uh, my first ever shoot was a campaign for Swarovski and it was a big campaign as well. And, yeah. um, so that gave me kind of like a foothold in the game already. So when people was like, there's a new model, it's in one shoot and this is it. So then a lot of clients were like, I want to work with that guy before anybody else does. <clears throat> right. And the thing is, I, I wasn't signed at the time. So, like, no one could work with me. So I had a six-month period between doing that shoot, getting signed by all the agencies, and then actually starting modeling. So then when I had started, they were like, oh, shit, here's that guy that we had wanted to work with. And everyone just booked me. Because it wasn't like one person can book me first, because everyone had already heard of me. So everyone just booked me straight away. So I, I'd instantly worked for all the top clients within, like, my first yeah. month. And then that just That's... projected me. So it's literally as simple as that. It's just a case of being in the right place at the right time and then just, just riding that, that initial wave of, of people wanting to get hold of you. And obviously looking a certain way, right? Right. So the thing is, yeah, looking... It's buzz. Yeah, but that's the thing, yeah, is I am, like... Like realistically, I'm not butters. Like, but I'm not. A good, I'm not. <laughs> so I'm, you said that like, I'm, like I've been digging it. Like, like it's been getting to you every time I call you butters on the podcast. You said that with a bit of conviction. Right? <laughs> no, 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 no. But the, what, what it was was I looked so much different to everyone else. You know what I mean? Like the big ears, the pointy nose, the sharp face. So I stuck out. So when you look, and because of my build as well, I'm the right frame for modeling so for the, clo the sample clothes to fit on which that yeah. helped but then having a face that would make you double take is going to sell the clothes especially within the high fashion industry right. um so yeah that uh, 
what really did it for me was normally when you start, one big client will work with you and then that will kind of take your, your route will start there. But because I had six months period and that I worked with every client, it opened up the market completely to me and it was, yeah. it was, it was luck. It wasn't judgment, but had, but if you would have judged that properly and made that call, it would have been excellent work because it is possible to do it like that because it is all about strategies. It, you are building a career. It's like doing TV. You know what the kind of TV work you're going to get. So you'll get some people that will just do like, you know, like your shows like Lucifer and that. Basically, um, D.B. Woodside, for example, an actor, he did like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He does all like Lucifer, all these angels and demons shows. He found his niche. Yeah, exactly. But you find your niche and you know that you're going to get longevity in that particular industry. And for me, instead of being thrown down one route and it not being the correct one and it ending my career, because I was given every path at the beginning, I was able to try every single route possible and then find my niche and stick to it. Yeah, that's cool, man. Well, let's let's move on to a question that's not just for Reese, it's for everybody. And it's from actually Kent's Mrs. Danielle who says, would you rather have sugary lips like when you just bite into a donut or uh, what's it dusted hands, uh, fingers for the rest of your life? You have to choose one. Oh, no. No one wants what's it fingers, bruv. Like, there is, you, you're, you will get no action from no girls. Nah. One second. Just for the American listeners, uh, what's it so like cheese puffs? Or, or Cheetos. Or, uh, Cheetos. Cheetos, yeah. Yeah, no one wants yellow yellow dust. It's like you know, you see like a, a full time smoker that has yellow fingers. Like no, no person. You shake someone's hand, you're gonna leave crumbs on them. Ugh, no, nah, fuck that. Sugary lips. Yeah, but you've always got sugary lips though. Yeah, but then you're always sweet. Um, imagine you, okay, Ken. Yeah. Ken, um, yeah, but Ken, imagine you're meeting a new client for a big kind of, I don't know, <laughs> personal training development for a gym, right? And then you turn up, you've got sugar all over your lips. They might just think I've got Are dusty you lips. They, they might just yeah. think I've got dusty, dry lips. <laughs> Offer me some chapstick. <laughs> Here's the thing, right? If you've got sugary lips, you're constantly going to be slapping your chops. You know what I mean? And that is... <laughs> well, yeah, you're going you're gonna to lick continuously. Then you're gonna get a, you know, you guys will get a like dirty red... Yeah, there's red rings in it. There's a red ring around the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look like Mr. Popo from Dragon Ball Z. I don't know. If... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Oh, yeah. So no, I think I'd go. Sh- I think I'd go sugary lips. And no one wants Cheeto dusty. What's it fingers? No. What about you, Reese? Having having dirty hands in general, like like having anything on your hands, it's rank. It is butters, isn't it? Like I'm kind yeah. like this whole like sanitizing thing. I'm baffled. Who, why, who were these people not washing their hands before? Before coronavirus, who wasn't washing their hands? Most of the uh, population. Wh- that's why it spread pi- so fast. Bro, bro, <laughs> I was saying, I was, I was saying recently, it was only, remember when me and you went, we was at the pub just before all lockdown, was watching Tottenham with a load of uh, yeah, yeah. podcasts like Tony. Well, I mean, this was like, we should have been locked down by then. The, 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 the virus was here. It was all like, wash your hands, do that. I was going to the toilet and no white man were just coming in and just pissing and zipping up. And I'm like, if you're not going to wash your hands now, you're never going to wash your hands. You know? No, it is and white guys. It is always, it's always white, white guys. guys. <laughs> so you're saying, so Reese, you're saying, you're saying sugary lips, yeah? 
quite sexy as well, if you know what I mean? I'd what, sugary lips? He's quite sexy. Sugary lips, or get wanked up by a cheater's hand. You know what I mean? Yeah, but if, you got, if you got what's it hand, you could just put gloves on or something. You can't hide sugary lips. Like, just can't. Yeah, but why would yeah. you want to? You'd, 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 you'd floss them. I'd be like, yo, I would get them sugary lips out at every opportunity. It'd be like a, exactly. Like a it could literally the, the the statement "come here, sugar lips" will actually be true, and you and amount of girls for Reese's, right? You can be out and be like, "Do you want to kiss these sugary lips?" Do you know what I mean? I'm, Chat up I line could, right I there. Could, yeah, sh- I could, but I think nunny. my missus would be fuming. Yeah. Uh, sugar in her. Would you say sugar in her nunny? Yeah, you'd go down on her, and get all sugar in her nunny. She'd be like, "Oh, irritated." <laughs> What, what's it fingers won't do yeah. that either? I don't know. At least it'll be a bit further up. You know what I mean? Might, might, might give her like no, a... No, that's the worst. U- u- like a urine injection or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, yeah, if she's got sugary lips down there, having sex would be like wanking with sandpaper, wouldn't it? It'd be oh, real. wow. That took it to another level, Reese. Renee says, Renee says, how many bites to finish a Big Mac? Free. I, I can do it in free. What, the new Big Mac or just a normal Big Mac? No, just a normal Big Mac. Right, it depends. Am I, am I, is indigestion going to be a problem in this? I don't. Nah. I, no, I don't think so. You couldn't. You couldn't do it in more. You couldn't do it in less than three. Three or four. Four. I'm saying four. Yeah. I could do. It, I could do it in three because I'm a big fat cunt. But um, nah. I, how could you do I, it? In I always three? remember. I've got a cousin that's like um, my mum's eldest sibling's first child. So she's like well old. She's like an auntie age, you know. So she used to look after me when I was a kid. And she had a boyfriend, Gary. And he used to be able to eat a Big Mac in two bites. And I used to think it was the best shit I've ever seen as a kid. I Jesus. Like, I, I aspire to be that man. Yo, all Gary's are weird. I'm putting this out there right now. All Gary's are weird. <laughs> I heard this the other day. Someone, someone mentioned this point to me the other day, which it is true. Why is Gary spelt with one R when Mary is one R, but Barry is two R's? So should it, it be Gary or Gary with two R's? That, that's right. Mm. It should be Gary with two R's. Yeah, it should be. It should be. My dad's Gary. Gary. I've so got I a friend called Gary. Now they're all weird. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a name that's going extinct apparently. By like twenty forty, it's going to be extinct. No, someone named their kid Gary last year. Oh no! Don't keep the Gary going. <laughs> I remember, I remember when we was, um, we was, we was like 20, no, 18, 19, 20, something like that. And we was out partying and my mate was chatting up this girl and I was chatting up her mate. And then she, he said, well, so what's your name anyway? And she went, Dawn. And then this is, this is, this is Kent's mum's name, but it is, it is an old woman's name, isn't it? And I'd never seen an 18 year old and my mate just started laughing. He just didn't know what to do. It was like, and she was like, what are you laughing at? It's like, I've, I've never met an 18 year old called Dawn. I've got a mad one for you. I um, I was once on a night out when I ended up going back to this woman's house. I was actually out with Bradley from Seven, so that's a mad one. But um, I went back. To oh, this here he is. House. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I went back to this woman's house, and she had a fourteen-year-old daughter called Gertrude. Fucking hell, Gertie! Oh, oh my god, she gets bullied, doesn't she? That's just child abuse. Don't you think that's child abuse? I think certain names shouldn't be allowed. You know, they should have a, like an expiration date where you, you know, I, for yeah. for the sant- sanctity of your child, you should never be allowed to call them Ethel or Gertrude or 
There was a you guy know. who got done for him and his children bacon and eggs. And I reckon that Gertrude is substantially worse than that. 100%. Bacon. Bacon was my, hey, bacon. Bacon was my tag name, wasn't it? Yeah, that was, that, yeah that's right. Yeah, that's so, right. Um, Katie's got a question. Talking of shagging women, Katie's got a question for Reese. Have you ever shagged any female models and anybody famous? And then a second part to this question. Is it true what they say about Alexander Wang? Now, I don't know who the fuck that is, and I didn't bother researching it. So I hope uh, Reese knows about who that is, because I, I didn't fucking need to prep him. So, um, out of respect to my other half, I'm not going to talk about who I've slept with in the past, um, just because I wouldn't want to listen to a podcast and be like, yeah, I took all this dick from her. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, good man. Yep, um, really? Because that's what we was gonna do next week. I was gonna, I was gonna get Amy on to see how much dick she's taken. <laughs> I will not be listening to that episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, <laughs> but yeah, Alexander Wang. Um, this is a deep one. Um, it's a bit of a bad. Okay, can you tell us who he is? Because me and Kent would have no idea. He is a fashion designer who has recently had a load, like a load of allegations from out about him about drugging and raping and sexually abusing models, um, male models. And I can say I had heard those rumours for years before that. Right. So I just I've just googled the guy. And he looks like a sex. He, he, well, he doesn't look like he. I don't know. I'm confused. He's got like really long hair. It looks like a girl. Long, long hair on a man's sex best. He looks like the kind of guy you'll take. He'll take his jacket, his his top off, and he'll have a full head to body um, uh, dragon like on his back, like, and he'll bring out two little two little hatchet. He looks like a hatchet man out of Warriors. Do you know what I mean? Like he, he would, he would definitely kill you. But at the same time, sounds a bit racist. No, there's a there's a TV program called <laughs> Warriors with Hatchet Men in it. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, like, I don't know. See, 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 this is the thing. Like, because Reese, when we last saw each other, when kind of lockdown eased and we went for drinks, uh, you was telling me you did a, a shoot uh, recent, like you had done a shoot recently and um, you said that the, the photographer or the, I don't know, the photographer or the designer or whoever really wanted to fuck you. Yeah! Oh, I forgot about that! This photographer just booked me and was like, um, I'm shooting an editorial for whatever. Well, he got into my agency and was like, I'm shooting an editorial for da-da-da. Um, I've really wanted to shoot Reese for ages. <clears throat> Looking back now, I'm pretty sure he wasn't a photographer, <laughs> but he had arranged an editorial with a magazine to shoot me. So I've gone down there, and he keeps going on about his girlfriend and that. But then he keeps saying his boyfriend and being like, oh, no, I mean, my girlfriend. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and he was like, yeah. Yes, he was like, oh, yeah, I met, I met my girlfriend on Tinder. And then he'd be talking, he'd be like, yeah, so my boyfriend, yeah. So, and he'd be saying that he met his girlfriend on Tinder, so but he'd split up. And then later on, he'd be like, yeah, and then when my boyfriend just moved out, and I, I mean, my girlfriend. And I was like, wait, what? What? And then, and then he kept... And you still and you still went and met this guy. Well, it's twenty. No, he was there. That, that, that it's happening. But yeah, and then he's oh, like, right, right, and right. then he's like, can you take your top off? Now, this is normal in modern to shoot topless, and plus I've got some like wild tattoos, so clients like to shoot them anyway. And um, he's like, can you take your top off? I'm like, yeah, 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 no worries, no worries. 
bit my cup off and it's like, it's so sexy how the lights are shining off your body. I mean, I mean it looks really good on top. Yeah. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, you just kept fucking dropping little slide moves on me all day. Yeah, what would you do? Like how, how far, as you know, in terms of modelling, you'll obviously get a brief of what the shoot's going to be beforehand or no. do you just turn up and they just tell you this is what I want you to do? Yeah, that one. Sometimes, depending, if it's a show, you'll have a rehearsal before. So I'll, t- I'll tell you uh. one time about being touched up. And uh, yeah, I was I was working for like a massive client. I'm talking one of the, the biggest clients in the world. I'm not going to say the name. One of the biggest clients in the world in New York, for New York Fashion Week, right? But to walk to the show, I, I was meant to open it. I was meant to be the first guy to walk out. That's like one of the biggest things you could do. So opening for this huge client in New York. And they liked me that much that they booked me for a week beforehand to try on all the outfits. And that's called doing looks. So um, yeah. they booked me to do looks and they pay me two grand a day, right? Five days. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm like, I think I'm like 19 years old. And I'm like, I'm so rich. Just sat and just stood in this room being like, I, yeah. you know what I mean, I've got, by this point here, I've got a penthouse in New York. And like, you can stand on the roof. And I'm like, one night on the roof, listening to Guns N' Roses, like Madison Square Garden, the new Gun- Axel Roses, Guns N' Roses. Um, I've flown my mates out to stay in this fucking penthouse. And I'm living my best life. And now I'm in New York. This is all the thing. And then the stylist here, he keeps, every time he tucks my shirt in, he keeps cupping my balls, right? And I'm like, I wonder if he does <laughs> <laughs> And he has like, to go low for them balls if he's going to cup yeah, them as well, it, isn't it? He has to go all the way down to the knee. To my <laughs> and uh, so he's tucking my shirt in and he keeps cupping my balls, right? And I'm like, okay, uh, this is mad. And then I think, maybe he's doing it by accident, yeah? But then he starts doing stuff like putting his hand in my back pocket and just leaving it on my, like, just cupping a cheek. You know what I mean? And like I've already said, my... I've got, I've got, I've got a little boy ball, you know what I mean? So like a whole cheek is like in his palm and his hand, yeah. So I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and he keeps like he keeps calling me his little Bambi, like that. If anyone's in the industry listening, the fact I've said he called me his little Bambi, they would know what I'm on about. <laughs> he kept calling me, his, he kept calling yeah. me his little Bambi, yeah. And I was like, all right, this guy's trying to shake me. And I'm from a small town, and it's very like you know you grow up quite fucking close-minded, but. Saying that, I'm stood there thinking, you know what, you can touch my balls if you run the day. Like, I am fine with that. I am absolutely fine with that. I was like, I'm getting ripped. And this guy actually went on to book me for one of the biggest campaigns I ever did. And it was him that kind of blew my career up. However, he was non to me at the same time. So it's like, like years, years, years down the line, right? I have, I, I laugh now. But years down the line, I have realised that my actions here and thinking of the money and being so naive has enabled him. Do you know what I mean? I think it's all right to, to other people and stuff like that. And I have since come out and I've spoke about it. And I have, uh, yeah, it kind of brings us to one of the questions from uh, one of our American listeners, Mary Claire. Uh, and you've kind of alluded, you've, you've kind of touched on some of this because it's kind of a, a bit of a loaded question. So have you ever felt uncomfortable and astute? Kind of just, just been over that. Uh, have you been asked to do something you don't like and does being a model fuck with your perception of yourself like body dysmorphia it's quite a deep question but I thought it deserves to be in there so here's the thing yeah for men and women it's different and women I see the body dysmorphia thing 
especially when women grow up and they start to get their woman body. You know what I mean? And they get hips and they're no longer skinny they enough. They start to look so, sexy. Yeah, yeah, do you know what I mean? They become women. They're no longer little girls now. So, like, yeah, they get curvier and it's just a natural thing. For men, it's different. So I can't speak on behalf of women, except I know there's a lot of fucked up and body dysmorphia in that industry. As someone who's also been an agent as well, I've dealt with women who have gone through that. And I, for one, am one, not one of them agents that would ever be like, lose weight. I'll be like, look, you put on some weight, new client base. Do you know what I mean? Maybe we go a bit more commercial now with boohoo. Do you know what I mean? They like a more pretty woman. Let's find a new career path, not lose weight or da da da. Look, it is what it is. But for men, <clears throat> As you'll notice, is for me, for example, I'm a very unique-looking person, and I, I had confidence in a lot of charm and whatever before. Like I wasn't no fucking nerd or like not nerd, but like I didn't like to explain it. Like I was doing all right with women before I became a model, but a lot of these models look like me, which gives like and I, and I suppose if I wasn't as confident and I hadn't done what I'd done, I could have got bullied. You know what I mean for being a funny-looking kid. So a lot of these models got bullied, they were ugly, they were outcasts. So they then become a model, and it doesn't fuck with them on the side that, like, oh, I need to get skinny. So they now think they're sexy, and they get this, like, boost of confidence, and they just become strange guys. You know what I mean? Like, women now want them because they're models, so they get this kind of, like, god complex, and that's one thing that, like, like ego is a big problem that this industry can cause and I've so guilty to it myself like I am I've had issues like times in the past where like I've become narcissistic and egotistical because I've been like like people have I I remember one time this is probably the big cringe so I like talking about it now even making it cringe I see my old I just come back from Japan and I got 70 grand in cash on me to pay I'm just fucking out of myself with the tax office here. Anyway, I've got you are. <laughs> Where's Reese's yeah, address yeah. again? Yeah. <laughs> I had some money on me. Um, anyway, yeah, in Japan, they pay you in cash. So I just got back from Japan. My mate picked up in the airport. I've been out there three months. I'm like, look, let's go out, drink, turn off. It's all on me. I go to this one pub in my hometown and I see an old teacher. And um, she's married to the guy who went to the pub. Anyway, she's like, oh, you doing well for yourself. I like, never would have thought it. She hated me because I once had a fight with one of her people in her form. Anyway, and I did that cringy thing. was like, yeah, but I'm killing it now. And I just fucking got my cash out and put it on the table. Oh. <laughs> it was so, oh. like, yeah. That's awful. You know what I mean? That is, that like, is really so, bad. So, no. And then I was 19 and I was like, that is 70 grand. And I was so, like, yeah. So I've got a question. <clears throat> Obviously... At 19 years old, you haven't you haven't lived a lot at that age, but like you've you've put been put in a position where you've accumulated, you know, more money than most people, most average people would potentially see in their lifetime. Mm. Like, did you? How did you go about managing your money? Did you have anyone mm. like advocate for you, or was it just here's your cash and you just did whatever you want with it? It was it was that one. Um, a lot a lot of bad. I only learned how to manage money when my career was coming to an end. Um, so I was lucky mm. enough to put some into savings, which due to coronavirus, you know, I don't even have now. But if, if I hadn't have been uh. savvy with money towards the end of my career, I wouldn't have had that money to carry me through this fucking pandemic. The problem was, if you give a kid cash, attention, like, I, I, I started modeling and got big before Instagram. 
So it was when, um, yeah. it was like Tumblr was like a thing for the people in the fashion industry. And I was like, I was like the Tumblr equivalent of like a big name on Instagram now, as well as being a big name in the fashion industry. So I was getting all this like mad attention and I got mad money. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to keep up appearances. Like people think I'm this fucking wild party animal drug fucking smashing guy. So I'm like, out oh, all of my mates mm. every night, I'm paying for them to come to different countries with me, paying rent for some of them, get like keeping them out of work. I kept friends out of work for years. I was just flowing through this cash and it was coming in. It coming in. And I remember one month I made five grand and I was like, that's a shit month. Do you know what I mean? But if that's mm. as bad if that's as bad as it gets, then no worries. Thanks. And money's going out, out, cars, ours. Do you know what I mean? And then, like, I'm making these bad investments into stuff, <clears throat> and then not caring. Oh, it was a fucking bad idea, whatever. We moved, you know what I mean? And then you don't really see money dwindling. And um, what I used to do, I used to keep money in my agency account. So instead of using my bank, I'd bring my agencies like, oh, can you transfer me? So like Paris, for example. So I've done a big job out there. Ring them up. Yo, can you transfer me fucking 10 grand? Yeah, cool. It'll be in by next Thursday. Ring London, yo, can you transfer me five grand? You know what I mean? Yeah, come in and sign oh. these paper. So, yeah, so I don't know how much is in my account. I'm not looking at statements because when you've got money, you don't need to look how much money you've got. Yeah. You know what I mean? So then one time I'm in Paris, and um, this is when I checked the photographer out. <clears throat> and um, I'm in Paris, and I go, and I'm coming back for a shoot, and some kid, a couple of kids pickpocket me. And um, like an idiot, I didn't have a password on my phone and I had all my bank details saved in there. And again, this is one of those cocky, confident, narcissistic things. It was like, if I don't have a password on my phone, it's like I've got nothing to hide and I look like I'm so fucking edgy and cool and da-da-da. I'm mm. feeding my own ego. So anyway, um, I get robbed. These people hack my bank account, take all my money out of my bank account. And um, because it, it's my current account, it's probably well, I know how much was in there. It's just under twelve thousand pounds. So they take all that money out, and I'm like, okay, cool. I'll go to my agency and ask for money because I know that in London I've got some money. Um, I, but I'm going to Spain first, sorry. So I've got a big job in Spain. So I go to Spain for a few months in between, and I'm but these times here I've not got my cash back. It's all going through a process that lawyers have to get involved because of the way that this money was taken and they thought that I've hidden the money, essentially. Money laundering, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, eventually I've gone to Barcelona and I've done this job for like two weeks and it's a substantial amount of money. But in this industry, you don't get paid for three months. So I'm like, um, I, I bring London and they're like, yeah, you can get your money. Come in. It's just before Christmas. So like, yeah, come in and get your money. There's 11 grand in my agency account in London. Right, I go in when they tell me to, and there's only the accountant there. So I'm trying to sort out this money with him, and I'm like, and he's like, speak to Adam, speak to Adam, who was my booker. And I'm like, bro, like, just give me my money. Like, I need money now. Like, I, I don't have any money. Like, speak to Adam, speak to Adam. Anyway, I, I ring Adam. I finally get in touch with him. He's like, listen, the agency's gone bankrupt. We've lost all your money. He says, don't tell any of the oh. models. No one knows yet that all your money's gone. Now, the thing is, I've got 11 grand in my account yet, but what had happened was this big money job in Spain, they put me on the job, right? So this is another shitload of money. So they, and, and this is a 14 grand job, bear in mind. Right, let me put this out there. No, more, wait, no. Yeah, 14,000, just about 15,000 euros it was for two weeks worth of work. <clears throat> they put me on the job, not my Spanish agency, and that's dodgy. Like, because 
agents are not meant to step on each other's toes. So it's like, yeah. it, it's dodgy that you put me on it. Um, well, he didn't put me on it, but my agent did put me on it. Anyway, turns out what had happened was my agency in London had been price fixing for all of the agencies in London, been caught, and like, I thought it was worth it. My agency said they got robbed and then moved buildings. What had happened was the armed police came in, took all the computers, my agency got done, oh, the owners shit. went on the run, they sold up the company, someone bought it with all this debt, liquidated it, and I just lost all my money. And from that point, I had nothing, and I just had to fucking... Luckily, I was able to sort out the Spanish money through my Spanish agency. But from then on, I had nothing, and I had to start again. My career was already on the, on the rope. My career was different then. I then made a, a bad decision to move to another agency that was more commercial. And I'm so ugly, like, I was never going to be in a commercial agency. Um, that Then moving to them kind of ruined my career over in London. Everything started to dwindle down. I didn't want to travel anymore. So I went to Australia and hated it. I was like, what am I doing? I was like, 26. Nah, like, I should probably just fucking move back to England where I want to be in London, get a job doing what I know, which is this industry, and track on build a new life. And that's what I did. You've texted me uh, some stuff when I, I said I want to get you on a podcast. And you said to me, I can't wait to hear some stories. And, and then you listed all these. Now, let's... Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna just read out the list. You've gone over a few of them already, but then uh, Kent maybe can choose what he wants to hear. So, so Reese just said Japanese prison, police chasing New York, woman breaking into my flat in Tokyo to watch me sleep, Elton John's house party, near fight with Carl Barat and Miles Kane, punching up models backstage, asking David Beckham he wants to come for a zoot, choking for photographer out on the beach, held at gunpoint at Berlin, Berlin Fashion Week. And a long-term feud with Lockstock actor Vaz Blackwood. Now that's a lot to go on. Hang on, okay, stop. <laughs> stop. That's that's a lot. But look, so far, like I'm sitting here with my jaw wide open because, like, yeah, your life is like a movie, right? To be fair, and it's it's quite interesting to see how much you how many how quick of a wave you've gone through from like rising really quickly to falling even quicker and having it all and then losing it all, which is really interesting. But I now want, I definitely want to hear about Elton John's story. I want to hear about being held up by gunpoint and David Beckham. Oh uh, yeah. So I'm going to, I'll tell you what, the, the David Beckham one and the Elton John one, the, the, the sound better than they are. I, I think the better stories are the two Japanese ones. I'll, I'll, I'll tell the stories in the order that they happened. And I think the first one that happened was the uh, woman breaking in to watch me sleep, right? So what happened was, and, and my agency is owned by the mafia in Japan. Now that is completely normal. Right? No, that, that's normal. Actually. The, the, mafia, the mafia run a lot of there, right? So the mafia just own a modeling agency and it's mine. Like that actually stands me a good step down the line. But, um, so, yeah, I'm at this agency and we've got this, uh, one of my managers, her name was, uh, Nina and she, <laughs> she was a dominatrix in London and she'd moved over to Japan and started a new life and become a, a modern agent, right? And she had been shagging all the models. So I'm thinking, and like, she, and apparently what she was doing is going into people's rooms and like, you know, I mean, like to check on them because it, I don't know, people don't lock the doors out there, right? 
So I think that this is a known thing, and she's been fucking all over the models. Anyway, I'm backstage. She gets sacked, right? So now we don't have her anymore, and she leaves the country. And I have a show, and I go to my show, and after my show, I don't mind, I'm 18, 19 at this point. And um, backstage at the show, this woman who's probably 30 years old, she, I, I've never met her before, and she flirts with me straight away. Anyway, stuff happens within two minutes of meeting her, and then I never see her again. Uh, this is backstage at a show, bearing in mind. Anyway, a few nights later, I've got another show, and it's for Dior. And I'm only one of two models that are working for Dior in Japan. It's like a massive thing, some gas. I've got to be there at 4 a.m. in the morning, and, I've been, and I'm doing it for five days, I think. The first day, I overslept, woke up at 6 a.m., got there at 10 a.m., and I took six grand off my pee. Yeah, so, like, I'm not missing a fucking show again. So I'm in bed, so I go to bed nice and early, and I wake up uh, randomly about 2 a.m., something like that, and there's a little Japanese woman stood over my bed here, and she's just looking at me. Like shit from the ring. So I wake up, bro, no, and it was weird. But here's here's the weird part, yeah, so I jump up and I'm like, yo, what the fuck, get out, but in English, obviously. (laughs) And she replies back to me in English with a heavy Australian accent. I'm in Tokyo. I'm, I'm living in Shibuya, yeah, which is the heart of Tokyo. So I'm like, what the fuck? So I'm like, get out, get out. And she's like, apologizing. And like, I'm not going to accept an Australian accent. But anyway, she get, as, as, I'm kicking, as I'm kicking her out, yeah, my bathroom door flies open. So I'm living in a studio apartment. The bathroom's <laughs> tiny. The whole flat's tiny. My bathroom door flies open. And this fucking chick that I've met backstage, a 30-year-old, bear in mind, she's American. She's from LA. She sat on my toilet, yeah? And I'm like, what the fuck? And then so I slam my toilet door, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, what is going on? I've met this woman for two minutes. Two minutes, like a week ago. And I, anyway, and I'm freaking out. She comes out of my toilet and she starts trying to punch me, yeah? So she swings at me and I grab both of her arms. And I'm like, and I'm like, I, I, but, but, yo, in this point, so she's got one shoe on. She's got one shoe on her. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, what is going on? And I'm trying to get out of my flat and I'm like, she's off a tip. And she's going, I thought you loved me. I thought you loved me. I thought. And I'm like, oh my days. Like, what the fuck? I kick her out of my flat. Um, and this is after a whole ordeal. Anyway, I leave the next morning, and um, she's still sat outside of the block of flat here, and I'm like, right, so I've gone past her. She's not seen me. I'm like, what's going on, man? Like, it's, it's, one of those, it's one of those things, like, I love those kind of stories that sound so crazy, you couldn't lie about that. <laughs> Do you know that one's like, where it's like, it's so mad. Like, to, to I mean, listen, anyone from my ends that gets woken up in the middle of the night by someone standing over the bed, they're getting their ass robbed <laughs> and they're getting they're getting tied up, do you know? But like that is crazy. Wait, let me let me let me just tie that story. Let me just tie that story up for you real quick. Yeah, the woman standing over my bed, she went on to the, so I said my manager got sad. She went on to then become the manager at my agency, and on her welcome meal to the agency, had to take me to one side and beg me not to tell the agency what happened. <laughs> She said she was watching me, so I didn't wake up whilst her mate used my toilet. They said they didn't know it was my flat, and she really needed the toilet, so they just walked into a random flat and used one. She waited a while. What? Uh, uh, yeah, tell us about the prison, Reese. Right, so um, that one, th- this one, again, it's one of them where it's like, 
in Japan, yeah, there is zero crime. Like, there has never been crime. Everything is mafia run. So, like I said earlier, my agency ran by the mafia. This does, I think, come back to play in the story. So, what happened was, my missus and I were meant to go to Amsterdam. It was her birthday, but I'd got this massive contract in Japan. And then um, I decided to take it up. So I changed my name on the tickets and her and her mate went to Amsterdam and I went to Japan. And she sends me a postcard um, on her birthday. So I'm like, wait for this postcard. And I get a phone call from my agency one day. And this is like probably three months after she sent the postcard. And they say, uh, oh, you've got a letter. And I'm like, oh, buzzing. I know what it is. And they're like, yeah, police and immigrations are here. And I was like, oh, shit. So I ring my missus. And I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm like, why am I getting fucking niche? She's like, I put weed in the postcard. And I'm like, oh my God. She's like, yeah, I wrapped it in cling film because I didn't think it would get shown up on the detect, not tinfoil. Oh cling my film. God. Yeah, I didn't think it would get detected. <clears throat> you know? So anyway, what I've done at this time here, yeah, I've been like, right, bring everyone I know. So if I go missing, they know exactly what's happening. So apart from my parents, I bring all my friends and that. And um, and I go down to the agency, and when I get there, I'm not even exaggerating. There's probably like 20 feds here, like all police and immigration officers. And the, and and this is how thorough the Japanese police are. Yeah, they sit me down, well, they beg me for my passport, and I won't give it. Them. They're like, no, you need to. And I'm like, oh, it's at my flat. They were like, we'll take you to your flat. I was like, I'm not getting in a car with you. Like, not a chance. You would fucking make me go missing. And they were saying, you can walk back to your flat and we'll drive alongside you <laughs> through Tokyo. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, not happening. Anyway, in the end, I give him my passport. It was in my pocket. I give him my passport. And they pulled this file out there. And it's five, like this big um, binder. And it's just full of like pages of the process. So the posts coming into the post office. Like it starts off like the trucks that are coming to drop the post off. The post coming into the, the sorting office, them sorting it out and it getting narrowed down and narrowed down and narrowed down to my letter, which has something in it. Then it's them getting the letter, the police coming fetching the letter, like I'm talking step by step photos. Eventually, you get to the page where the postcard is, and it's me, all these little fucking super serious older Japanese gentlemen, you know, like proper fucking, <laughs> like, yeah, serious done. Turn to the postcard, it's a vagina and an arsehole with two beauty eyes stuck in the side of it. So they can hold me for 31 days, yeah? That's how long they're allowed to hold you without telling anyone. Obviously, my agency know I'm there, but, uh, but um, so I'm sat in this fucking cell day one, they're questioning me. I give them all my passwords for like old Facebooks, old Twitter accounts that I don't use. In, and, and they've took my phone off me. They've only took my agency phone off me. So I've still got my actual iPhone in a Game Boy case around my neck. And they've never once. They're like, I've been searched. You just didn't take it off me. <laughs> I, I've got, I, yeah, I've got photos, me, inside the cell with the police officer and my translator that I've just taken from around my neck. They're sitting on my mat now. I'll try and get them to you. But, um, so anyway, I'm sitting there. I'm sure. So they're, they're interrogating me. And I've got a job that day, yeah, and it's one of the biggest shows in Tokyo Fashion. It's the closing show, and it's one of the, their version of, like, One Direction. Mad, mad story is, I actually met One Direction out there as they ended up going out, but this is, like, Japanese One Direction. And, um, because I've got that show, the police let me go to work. So they've arrested me, they're holding me, 
Then they take me, like, like escorted by the police to this show. I'm talking hair and makeup, please see the side of me. I go out for a fag, please see the side of me. I do the runway show after it turns into a party. As I come off the runway, they take me straight back to it. So they're holding me for like three days in total. And they and what they're doing is they're asking me to sign a document to say it's mine so they can start the process. And I'm saying, but it's not mine. Like, I've never took it. You, and that, if anything, you've had it more than me. You know what I mean? I've yeah. never even seen it. You're, you lot have got it. And then... So, yeah, after a couple of days, my agents come down and they're like, look, just tell them it's yours. You'll get the same as like a parking fine, like a ticket, you know what I mean? It'll be like 70 quid and they'll let you go. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I go into this room and I'm like, yo, let's say hypothetically, I did smoke weed, and hypothetically, my girlfriend had sent me some, like, what would the charges be? And the guy was like, it was a grand and a half and it never happened. And I was like, oh, wait, yeah, well, he didn't say grand enough, obviously. Yeah. He was like, give me like 150,000 yen, and it never happened. And I was like, um, you know what? Like, I don't have 150,000. Because all of my money these times is, like, say, an agency account and that. And I'm like, I don't have 150,000 yen. I've probably got like half of that. And they went, yeah, all right, um, like, give us that then. But it's in my bank account. So I'd say, I have to speak to my agency again, and I'm like, yo, you need to... So what they did is they took 750 quid out my agency account. So they could have actually paid the full amount. Um, but the police just said, yeah, 750 quid. I paid it. They made me sign this bit of paper. The moment I signed it, they just tore it up again. Then tore up everything else that they got, like, on me and just dashed it in the bin. They're like, all right, it's in the bin. Oh, gee. They saw you as a meal ticket, mate. They saw that, they saw that catwalk, and they were like, yeah, this guy's got pay. Let's take some of that money. No good to us being in jail. So I think with that, that really brings us to an end. I think we've already gone over, but it's just been such a great chat. Reese, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's, it's been fantastic. And I think like there's some things that we've, we've not even touched on there. Yeah. That, that the listeners are going to be like, I want to know about the Elton John thing or whatever. So we're going to have to get you back. Um, maybe, maybe we'll do a part two, but when we can get you in the studio and we'll get you up to the studio. Yeah, definitely. No, I'd love to. Yeah, so um, we'll we'll leave that there, and uh, you know, on, on I, I said this once, right? And he was like, "Oh, that's Jeremy Clarkson," and now I have to say it every time. So on that bombshell, it's a goodbye from me. <laughs> it's a bye from me. It's a very goodbye from me. Thank you for having me. <laughs>